0: Welcome to episode 31 of Kyperian Commentary. And I have with me again one of my uh, favorite guests. I've had Brian Godawa on for many years now on the old Trinity Talk podcast, now on Kyperion Podcast. Good to have you back, Brian.
1: It's great to be here, Yuri.
0: Brian is a Hollywood screenwriter and uh, a Christian bestseller a novelist. Brian, you have done done so much over the years. What is... The latest thing you're working on these days, man.
1: Well, you know, one of the reasons why I, I contacted you and, and, you know, we decided to have the show was, um, over the last few years, I've been writing a new novel series. Um, my previous one was eight books long, and it was called Chronicles of the Nephilim. Yes. I think we may have talked about that.
0: Absolutely, show, we have, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you yeah, know, that was kind of some cool stuff that I that I was inspired by Michael Heiser's uh, theology and stuff. and. And um, that really broke the floodgates open because by the time I finished that series, I realized I wasn't done. And so I, I wrote, I, I started writing a sequel series. And the reason why was because Chronicles of the Nephilim takes us up to uh, Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and is uh, up to his ascension. And, um, you know, and I kind of go into that uh, controversial area where Christ goes down into Hades and all yes. that stuff, you know. Um, and that's, you know, that's... that's it's a the. I write theological novels. I don't know what what things really look like in the spiritual realm, you know. So I I write imaginatively, but I try to communicate theological truth through that. And so that's you know my my prin, prin- my premise of my writing is to sort of write retell imaginatively retell Bible stories in a way that really communicates, you know, the theology that that I believe in and uh, exalts God, but. Um, so anyway, I got to the end of that, and it was like, and I realized as I was finishing up, you know, I'm not done yet, right? Because there's still, you know, as I even even my book Jesus Triumphant, which was the last in that series, you know, I talk about Christ giving his his parables and stuff about the judgment that was coming, and you know, in Matthew 24, he talks about how you know because the the uh, the first generation had re- would reject Messiah, they would have the blood of. All the prophets upon them and this was something this was a very serious claim that Jesus himself said and um, he said that in Matthew 23 and he was explaining how you know because of that you're going to be guilty of all the blood of the prophets you think you're better than your father's but in fact you are your father's children your son your, your vipers right? right and he says you're gonna kill the Messiah and because of that God is going to destroy your house or hmm. You know the the temple basically, and he says not one stone will be left upon itself, right? So he, and that's not the only place where he he talked about that. In in several of Jesus's parables, he talks, and and I have this in my novel, you know, where he talks about how, you know, the parable of parable of the vineyard and how they do terrible with it, and then God's uh, and then the landlord sends his messengers and they kill the messengers, and that's of course representative of all the prophets, right? And then he says, and then finally the landlord sends his son. Surely they will listen to him, and they kill the son. What do you think the landlord will do? He will come and destroy those people and their city, and he will give the land, the, uh, the, the, the vineyard to to other tenants, you know. So this is this proclamation that Jesus is saying, you know, that yeah, the the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and and given into the hands of a new people, so to speak. And so I, I realized as I was writing the story, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to tell that story. I've got to tell that story of the destruction of the temple because it really focuses a historical and theological turning point for. The cosmos, you know? Right. right. And and it's also an event, you know, and and when I say the destruction of the temple, I'm referring, of course, to the uh, AD 70 destruction, where the armies of Rome, led by Vespasian at first and ultimately his son Titus, they uh, trampled Israel underfoot and then they besieged the temple, Jerusalem, the city, and destroyed it. And this was a three and a half year. Uh, situation that began around AD 67 and ended in AD 70 with the destruction of the temple, just as Jesus had promised. So I I realized, oh my gosh, I've got to tell that story. And I've got a particular, you know, I've got a particular uh, eschatological viewpoint that's not not it's not the the most popular one out there that everyone has of the left behind and right. you know the tribulation all that kind of stuff. I see a lot of revelation was written by John applying to his time period, so I realize that uh oh this is going to be controversial on one end, but it's also going to be really cool because I'm my the basis of my series is to show the spiritual world, and I do believe that there's a monumental in, in that in the ending of the of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant i i see you know and with the ascension of the resurrection and ascension of christ i see a very powerful uh imagery in the new testament that paul writes about the principalities and powers being uh, dis- you know dragged through the streets by, by a triumphant christ in other words what's going on here there's this sort of you know, supernatural notion of 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 um, uh, spiritual entities that are over the nations, uh, that are powerful over the nations, and yet Christ overcomes that. You know, and that's sort of one of the dominant themes of my entire series. And I realized how that applies to the Book of Revelation and how it applies to that event. And lastly, I thought this this event of the destruction of the temple changed Christianity and Judaism forever. Mm. It changed Judaism because. At that after that point, Judaism became a different religion. It mm. was transformed. Uh, the, some of the survivors went to Yavne and uh, or Jamnia. I think he, it's 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 also spelled, um, and were allowed by Vespasian to sort of retool their faith to be more compliant with Rome, and they also had to retool their faith. To accommodate for the fact that they no longer could do their sacrifices, right? So this is where a lot of the rabbinic Judaism uh, sort of changes and becomes a different thing than the old, than the um, you know, the, than the Torah, right? And but also it changed Christianity because up until that point, Christianity, as the Book of Acts shows us, it had trouble breaking out of the moorings that it had rooted in in the jewish faith even though christ's command was to go and disciple the nations um you know the 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 uh, because of jerusalem the the heart and soul remained there and a, a lot of the major christian influence was out of jerusalem but when that was destroyed it forced the christians to face that reality we need to to this is a new covenant now the old covenant is destroyed with the destruction of the temple comes the destruction of the old covenant and its system and and of course messiah accomplished that in his death and resurrection and ascension but because the temple was still around it would cause a lot of confusion and we see this in the book of acts right yeah so i you know and and i said and look uh, so this is dramatically affecting Christianity, and that's what made it to really break out and, and, and you know, c- c- uh, cover the world, right after that point. And yet, there's only one historical source that we really have any substantial information on this event, and it was written by a Jewish historian named Josephus, and his book was called Wars of the Jews, mm-hmm. and in it he goes, he describes in detail this this siege of of Israel and of Jerusalem and everything that occurred, and what's interesting was he was a participant in it, so we get a lot of insider information. So my desire was, put it this way, I wanted to show the spiritual world behind it, and I also wanted to show how the book of Revelation ties in with that, because I believe that um, the Apostle John was writing that that revelation to those seven churches in that time period and it was writing about the events that were going on around them and what and as he says in verse 1 that's the events that will soon take place. So Brian, so that that's a little controversial I realize but that's that's kind of my premise.
0: No, v- fantastic. I am very much looking forward to reading through this series here. So the first book in the Chronicles of the Apocalypse. Book one is The Tyrant, The Rise of the Beast. And what I think is very very persuasive about this series is, as you've already mentioned, there is a a healthy theological uh, background there that you're bringing, but also a heavy dependence on historical events, which I think is different from other attempts at spiritualizing uh, the Bible through novels, is that this is actually to bring it in a the the theological expertise and actual historical data from Josephus, for example, here, what can the readers expect as they pick up the tyrant, which is the first book, tyrant rise of the beast.
1: Well, okay. Um, So this is another aspect of it that um, because I'm telling you this historical period, we haven't really had much on that. A lot of Christians don't know a lot of the time period after the book of acts, right? We read the book of acts and then just kind of ends. And you know, we don't know much more beyond that right. unless we, you know, we're historical nuts, right? Yeah. So I wanted to bring that to life. And *Tyrant Rise of the Beast is actually about the rise of Nero Caesar. Mm. And um, and I show in that book. So so if you're a Christian and, you know, no matter what eschatological view you have, you'll pre- you can appreciate these books because I, I am very historical about it. I... I really go into uh, Nero's personality. He was like a—he was a tyrant who was also an artist, which is a weird combination. But yeah. I guess in today's world of Hollywood monsters, you know, you see the monsters in Hollywood that are, you know, these these evil, you know, celebrities who just think that they're gods and they can just make these 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 extreme statements and they can condemn all their viewers, right? Mm. You know, the, you you realize the potential of. What an artist can really do if you give them control, and that's what Nero was. So I paint the picture of the first persecution of the of the Christians. You know, this is where we get our information about being thrown to the lions and that kind of stuff. So I, I describe that persecution, and I actually show how, um, you know, how I think that is the beginning of the tri- the great tribulation that Jesus prophesied, and that John in the book of Revelation, John actually says in verse seven, I think it is. Seven or eight, he says, "I, John, partaker with you in the tribulation." So he's literally saying the tribulation is going on as I'm writing this, and I'm partaking in it with you. So, so what I do is I bring in this mystery. Nero finds out that there's this subversive letter uh, that's been going around. The Christians have been has sent it around, and and it 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 it, it, it predicts.
0: A, the fall of the Roman Empire and the, the
1: assassination of Caesar, right? Mm. That's what he hears. That's the gossip, right? So he sends out a, a Roman guy who has a, a, a Jewish uh, servant and a Christian slave, and he goes to hunt down this letter, find this letter. And, of course, the Christians are hiding it because, you know, they're obviously they know it's subversive, right? So that's the story that we get into with Tyrant. And then it moves into the second book, Remnant, and, and our hero and heroines are basically the, the, the Roman, the Christian, and the Jew. So I can sort of show the story through the three different eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And as they journey to find out where is this letter, they ultimately, it leads them to the island of Patmos where John is, and they discover what it's really about. And in the, in the book of Remnant, in the second book, Remnant, um, and I don't want to give too much away, but you know they, they, they realize, oh, this isn't about... The destruction of Rome, it's about the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm. And actually, while it does, you know, it does convey the belief that Nero is the beast, another controversial view, but nonetheless, actually, a lot, most scholars would actually say that Nero was probably the beast as a reference in there. They just interpret it differently. But right. anyway, so so once they realize that, they realize now we have to get to Jerusalem and get this letter to the Christians so that they can get out of Jerusalem. Why? Because Rome is going to come and destroy it. And the Christian and remember, Jesus prophesied that, so they've got to remind the Christians to get out because Rome is coming. And that becomes sort of their goal for the rest of the, the novel series. And I just released my third one, which is Resistant. And now that Christians uh, have left Jerusalem and are hero and hero and stay inside because they want to minister to the Jews. They want to sacrifice their lives and minister to the Jews during the time period where this, this, all this you know, dramatic stuff is, is coming down. They feel that calling upon them, if that makes sense.
0: Brian, in, in this, when we're talking about the book of Revelation, and um, we, we are talking about things that are happening outside of our knowledge. And these are mysterious things taking place, especially when the Apostle Paul talks about in uh, his epistles about the principalities and powers. Um, nowadays, we tend to look at the book of Revelation with this futuristic tendency here. Now, what would be for, for, for someone like you who sort of views the historical foundation of Revelation being as a first century event, Mostly, what can, for example, someone who views Revelation futuristically learn from this uh, from this novel? What can they gain as readers?
1: Oh, excellent question! In fact, I I sincerely believe no matter what view you have, I wrote this this whole series to be entertaining and, like I said, historical. So even if you don't agree with the theology, you're going to learn a lot about history of the Christian Church and um, my. My major premise is, there, if you want to understand the imagery and the symbols of Revelation, and the book of Revelation is very clearly symbolic. The very first verse, it says that the angel signified, and in Greek that word means symbolized, mm-hmm. that he symbolized the vision to John, so it's very clearly symbolic. But if you want to understand the symbols, you've got to understand it in the context of the ancient Jews who wrote the book, and who were steeped in Old Testament imagery and symbols, right? Not in terms of the modern day. And that's how you begin to see it through different eyes. And I I suggest that you'll reading this book, you'll get a, a fresh way of seeing. You know, like I can sit here and write I've written books on theology. The same thing. I've wrote, I've written a book called End Times Bible Prophecy. And if you want to just you know, look at my theological argument. You could do that. But a lot of times people just go, what? That's crazy. How can Revelation possibly be related to the past? It's all the future. This, by reading the novel, by reading an exciting, entertaining story, you'll be able to experience it through the eyes of the ancient Jewish world. And I, I really believe it makes much more sense than, than uh, in some ways, than just theological explain, explaining could do, you know? And I think that was the power of the novels left behind, you know? Right. I don't agree with that theology, but why was it so popular? And I think, I think it was because there's something about a story that helps to make Put flesh on the bones of the theology. You know what I mean, and yeah. and people can. A lot of Christians get bored with theology, but they'll like a good story, and yeah, the story absolutely. can communicate the theology just as well. And that's what I've done. And and like I said, even if, if you don't end up with it, I have people who've said, you know, hey, look, I don't, I don't agree with Brian's stuff, Brian's uh, eschatology but I really love the stories because they're gripping, they're captivating, and they're very historical and such. And I learn a lot, you know? So, so yeah, that's my goal.
0: Well, let me add just my, uh, my praise here also is that the other dimension is even if you're not in, you know, in favor, you don't come to the same theological conclusions as you do, um, I think what you'll gain from the book is that a fact is a fact. Something happened at the yeah. end of the at, – at, between 68 and, and 70 A.D. And as we all know historically – Jerusalem was destroyed. Now, whether you view that as connecting to the details of the Olivet Discourse or Revelation, that's right. another thing. But what I really enjoyed about at least the, the introduction, uh, that you will get a, a an incredible tour of Jerusalem itself. I mean, you have um, a, a map of Jerusalem here. You give indication yep. about... Um, uh, you know a, the layout of the temple of the inner court and you'll get a wonderful introduction to all the characters in the beginning of the book so it will it'll be a wonderful foundation for it's a, in other words the way I look at it it's a combination of um, you know even if as you as you mentioned if you don't like theology and if you don't like history you'll be compelled by the novel and it the theology and history will subtly enter into it and before you know it you'll be compelled by the theology and history of it. So yeah, I, um, don't be
1: afraid. Don't be afraid. It's not going to necessarily have to change your mind, but uh, but you know what? Here's another thing. Um, I knew that a lot of Christians, because this view is not as well known, it does have a pedigree of history of great scholars. It's not heretical. You know, R.C. Sproul believed this. Um, uh, uh, Gary Demar, Ken Gentry, all, and even even famous guys in the past famous scholars in the past have argued for this viewpoint that I'm talking about. So it's not an obscure viewpoint, but it's not as well known because of the popularity of the dispensational and premillennial viewpoints that have tended to dominate the culture. So I think it behooves us to even just to expose ourselves to differing viewpoints so we realize that that there, there are different, you learn a lot when you realize, when you look through the eyes of other views. But I knew that some of this stuff would be so new to people and so shocking that it would be hard to believe. Mm. So what I did was I footnoted all the novels. So if you're reading along and you say, what, did this really happen? You can find the the closest footnote, and, and I give explanations of where I got it from historical and biblical texts. And I don't just give citations, you know, like this book, page 29, I actually take chunks of scholars' writings to explain the where it really is coming from, because I know that Christians like to have those things explained. So the result is this. Half of the book is footnotes. There's that <laughs> much material. So if you want to go deeper into the theology of it, you can by exploring the footnotes, but you don't have to if you just want a good, a good, uh, exciting action adventure with romance and spiritual war.
0: Brian, you have—I uh, th- hopefully you have enticed our listeners to this. Year. Where can they go now? Their probably their appetite has now increased to get a hold of this. Here, where can our listeners go to get a copy of your Chronicles of the Apocalypse?
1: Well, I all my all my materials are exclusively on Amazon, and everything's available in uh, ebook, paperback, and audiobook. So you go to Amazon, you can get it all there. But you know, and there's a lot of you know you see book descriptions; it'll tell you. But if you want to explore more of this before you go, take a step further my website Gadawa.com, g-o-d-a-w-a.com just click on you know i've got tabs on my books and just click the tab chronicles of the apocalypse and there's a whole bunch of stuff there i have a lot of free scholarly articles that you can get uh related to what i'm writing about i've got cool pictures i even have cast I cast my novels so you can see my characters, little mm-hmm. pictures of my characters, and you know, and, and a lot of free artwork. It's just a, a really cool website to give you a sense of the the coolness
0: of, of what's going on and the world that I'm working within. Brian, I want to thank you so much. And listen, if you have, if our listeners have um, seen the movie, I know you probably get tired of this, but the movie to End Endo Wars" with Kiefer Sutherland, the host of uh, very, very well-known actors. This is the guy who was a Hollywood screenwriter for that wonderful work, and I have uh, commended that movie so many times. Now, Brian, you have also expanded your work to, if you go on gadawa.com, you'll also find lectures. Especially, I think, very helpful is the Hollywood Worldview uh, lectures, which has been immensely fruitful for me over the years in my ministry here, You know, helping people, understand movies, watch movies with a Christian worldview, and now um, now delving into also the world of novels, and I think we need more healthy biblical Christian novelists, which I think the secular world has claimed that domain, and I think it's time, about time for Christians to claim what rightly belongs to them. Brian, I want to thank, thank you God. for your time, and I pray that this, uh, this series will be a wonderful success, brother. Thank you.
1: Thank you.